Thank you for downloading Atypical, the podcast. If you enjoy our work, all we ask is that you leave us a review in your podcast player and share it with your friends. It helps us reach more people, and it's always great to hear from you. Thank you again, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Atypical, the podcast. Welcome to this bonus episode of Atypical, the podcast, the podcast where we look at life from a more atypical perspective. I'm Simon Heave, and I'm joined by two of our recurring guests today, the lovely Dahlia. Hello. And Sam. Hello. Who is also lovely, but is currently gluing things together. So, Like you that, do. That, that makes more sense. Sam is currently building a dragon. Uh, flashbacks to the episode with joey flashback flashbacks to to a kim and joey episode we are not going to start talking about sex toys today um <laughs> it's oh, because then. oh well okay fine <laughs> we can do and i'll just cut it all out it's fine um it's it is uh neurodiversity celebration week here in the uk and we thought we'd put together a very quick bonus episode to talk about just generalized neurodiversity and and why and sometimes we should celebrate it. Obviously, as, as neurodivergent people, we sometimes do face significant barriers in life and uh, the way in which we navigate that, whether that is because um, you're, you're autistic and you're struggling with sensory issues, you're dyslexic and actually reading takes a long time. You have dyscalculia and you struggle with numbers or dyspraxia and, and you can't throw a ball because you'll keep dropping it. Or, or you might even have Tourette's or a tic syndrome of some sort. And there are lots of different ways in which you might encounter a, a barrier in life, be it in society, in the workplace, in a relationship. And I just thought it'd be nice for us to have a quick chat about some of the positives, perhaps, of, of being neurotypical. Um, I think potentially one of the things that I... Just said some to... of the positives of being neurotypical. Did I? Sorry. <laughs> uh, talk about some of the positives of being neurodivergent, of being atypical. I thought that was wrong, but I didn't want to correct him because hey i'm i'm right <laughs> i'm being very very forgetful and weird with my see i told you language matters i said the wrong thing on my own podcast because i was having a neurodivergent moment about you need to being... what you need to do is leave it in and then play the um what's the family fortunes <laughs> <laughs> And then correct yourself. Yeah. May- Although maybe... copyright issues, maybe. Well, fair use. Just do our own one. Yeah. These um, ones are awkward. So I think, therefore, we need to just think quickly about the language we use. When we talk about neurodiversity, it's a term that is used to describe the the variation in neurocognitive profiles across the whole population. You know, it's, it's not necessarily one condition or difficulty or difference. It, it recognises a variety in the way we speak, the way we think, move, act, communicate even. You know, human brains are immensely diverse and, and varied and, and we all have a unique set of different connections you know those billions of nerve cells in our brains and so as a consequence the way in which we interact with our environment can vary as well but quite. i think what well, sorry i just said quite i yes. agree Good. i concur i'm 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 glad um i think for the purposes of of when i set up this podcast i i was thinking of sort of the, the three main neurological profiles i guess which you could sort of group them together we have the neuro 
typical people, which is the majority of, of, of people. It's a, a, a wider neurological profile. The people for whom society is built because we live in a society. I can hear the mysterious voice shouting at me for that one. And then we have neurodivergent people. Um, and these are people who generally, like, like myself, like, like Dahlia, and most of our other um, hosts, who sort of fit outside of that majority neurological profile. And, and, and principally, we're thinking things like autism, um, sometimes known as ASD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or, or ADHD, dyslexia, uh, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, and Tourette's syndrome or Tick syndrome. That's not a definitive list of everything associated with neurodivergence, but those are the ones which most people principally associate with them. I suppose you could add in certain neurogenitive things as well, sort of dementia and Parkinson's and so forth, but I think they deserve their own category because they have additional extra needs. But anyway, I, I, I've, I've rabbited it off into a direction, haven't I? I it's, it's because I've been presenting at work, so I'm in like... You're in presentation mode, aren't you? I am in presentation mode, yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, so mark it up on a calendar of Mayan complexity. Because um, Sam, Sam will tell you that I, I never explain anything to anyone at any time. I'm very reticent and quiet about all of these things. Mm. Not. <laughs> um, Where's your sign? Yes. Well, I think so. As a celebration of, of, of atypicality, uh, I am Simon. I am autistic. I have ADHD and dyslexia. And I have had PTSD in the past. But all of these things, all of these struggles, I think make me not just a unique person, but hopefully a good person, a useful person. They make you uh, you. They make me me. Dahlia. And that's tell us, I think. Tell us who you are, because I've been talking for too long and we need another voice. I'm Dahlia. I, I have um, recently received an ADHD diagnosis. Um, I have yet to receive an autism diagnosis, so... Currently, I have, I'm just walking around like many other people, especially people assigned female at birth, suspecting they have autism and not really finding it easy to get um, that confirmed because of medical slash, I don't know, psychiatric barriers, ideas. And what else? And what else? Once upon a time, I was diagnosed as dyslexic and that didn't... And then the last, and then when I got diagnosed with ADHD, they were like, no, I don't think you are dyslexic. I think it's just ADHD. Anyway, who cares? I know that I'm, I definitely know I'm a neurodivergent person. And I've always felt that I see things in a different way to other people. I process things and interpret things in a different way to other people. And um, I, I think that, it's really important, actually. I'm glad that we're like having a conversation about neurodiversion. What's the word? Celebration, because yeah, a lot of the time, like a lot of the time, especially sometimes, I have days where I feel like really overwhelmed by not just by the things that overwhelm me as a person who is autistic and has ADHD, but also overwhelmed by the fact that I'm getting overwhelmed. You know, I'm overwhelmed <laughs> by the fact that I don't I don't understand I don't understand things in social situations or I don't get really exhausted and overwhelmed with um being in sort of big groups of people or like just loads and loads and loads of daily things which we all just have to do and um 
Like sometimes that can that can make me feel quite down and even hopeless about my about myself. Um, if I feel, you know, I can feel kind of like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do X like other people, you know. And have sometimes having a day like that is hard, but then to have a day like this where I feel like I can spend the whole day. Um, even though I'm doing some work and I'm talking to people, I'm talking to you guys, but I can also spend that. I can also spend that day like doing my little crafty tasks and keeping my hands busy and like in quite enjoying myself and feel accepted and not like kind of judged for being who I am and like talking about celebrating neurodiversity. Like that is that's really nice. Like that's what I feel like I needed today. So. That's a long-winded um, explanation. That's who I am. <laughs> I'm I'm really pleased because I, I think that a lot of the time we we focus perhaps on what those barriers are, and sometimes we get caught up in our own. I'm I'm not very good at this because type routine, and you know whilst Sam is there busy, you know creating dragons out of cardboard, I, I'm just looking at it going, I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that. I'm loving this. <laughs> I can tell. I really want to play the music again. But uh, I, yeah, I think that actually celebrating the fact that we are a little bit different can be a really positive thing. So, like in 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 work, I can bring a different point of view to things. I will ask those questions. I will say, why? Why do we do that? The the late Admiral Grace Hopper, who was a United States Admiral, and she also did a lot of programming on early computers had a wonderful quote in the late 70s, which was the most dangerous phrase in the language is, but we've always done it that way. And I oh. like to think, sorry. No, it's just a phrase I've heard a lot at work and I hate it. Yes, well. But that's the way we've always done it. Yes. But ah, let's not embrace is, change and improve. That is the most, oh really? They're not good at embracing change? No. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But it is uh, fundamentally why do we do things that way? Is there a better way of doing things? And I quite like the fact that being atypical in some way, although it in many ways puts us outside of that majority, outside of that that wider, air quotes, norm, it gives us the ability to look at things differently. And thus, good employers will hopefully go, hang on a minute, I want that person because they're going to look at it differently. I mean, back in um, October of last year, there was a, a big push by GCHQ and BAE Systems to recruit more autistic women and people with dyslexia and ADHD, specifically to work in cybersecurity roles. Yeah, and, that and, makes sense. Which I just think. Which companies is that again? <laughs> uh, uh, GCHQ and and BAE Systems. But I I thought that was fascinating. So I, I came across this, and they they basically BAE came out and said, well hang on a minute, neurodivergent female workers is like an industry gap which we could fill and get some really intelligent people into these spots that might have been overlooked by other people because they think differently. It helps us to question what we've done before so we don't fall into the trap of groupthink. So by approaching things with a point of view of dyslexia, we might make people write better reports because they have to write it so that we can read them and understand them and take them in more easily. It might make people question, actually, you know that standard we've been applying for the last 30 years in this engineering firm? Well, technology has moved on since then. Could we do it cheaper and quicker or easier in a different way? So I, I like to think that as a celebration of being neurodivergent, our differences also make us valuable. 
Of course. Now, I just hope that organisations that don't uh, sort of put buttons like colonial empire and uh, the sort of British military efforts overseas will also start hiring autistic women and seeing the value <laughs> in them. Can't well, just yes. be it can't just be for you know that we're useful in like war zones and not war zones but in like intelligence that upholds uh, no, I, I think um, I, I, I think it was it was remarked upon because it th- these are areas that are traditionally very much you know white men. Um, oh, I agree. I agree. Type. So um, I think there is a lack of understanding of of neurodiversity in in workplaces, and I think that's why perhaps these these two companies are particularly going out of their way to try and, and do it because a lot of employers will bypass neurodivergent people for a job opportunity because. A lot of the time, we might be overqualified for the job. I mean, you know, uh, 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 Kim, who is a, um, a co-host on this podcast, who will be joining us again soon, uh, coming back from India, uh, has a, a doctorate in genetics. Which is insane. Well, which is, yes, she's scarily intelligent. And she works in, in youth hostels. There are lots of people out there who are neurodivergent, who are incredibly intelligent and often well overqualified for the job they're applying for and just get bypassed because they might be neurodivergent and companies don't know how to deal with us. Now, something like one in... Sorry. Well, I was... I mean, I want you to finish your point, but then I'm going to talk about how that's relevant to me. (laughs) That's literally what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, relevant to you. Go for it now. That's perfect. (laughs) Okay, cool. That's what I was talking about, like, last time when we spoke about, um, like, neurodivergent sex workers, like... Um, I'm, I mean, I have, I'm, I don't have a doctorate, not yet. <laughs> I have a... Working on it, working I'm on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> I've got um, a master's degree and that doesn't, that's by no means a marker of like intelligence in all different aspects. But I have certainly, I'm certainly qualified, let's say, for um, a range of things. And yet finding the 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 what like work <laughs> you know <laughs> the world of work is just the most confusing thing in the whole world to me and you know i have no problem with looking after myself and making money but i that's why i've ended up working in strip clubs for so long because it just just made sense but i would I think that's why you find so many other uh, neurodivergent people doing this kind of thing. I, I think that was quite interesting that they were opening up and, and actually going out to try to... I've lost what I was saying, so it doesn't really matter. Um, no, I thought it was oh. fascinating. I just I just wish that there was a similar drive to... Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. And ...fruits I- and see the value in autistic women and autistic people in general from all sides. Instead yes. of very specific roles instead of very specific roles yeah yeah i wouldn't do because i don't want to be a part of that that's just me that's fair enough i mean i think that's a um a really rather lovely one i think because i my brain has stopped what's going on are we too distracting no i just i i did i wanted to start saying something and i said nope you can't say anything. Uh, just it happens. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. There's stuff and words and things there. Give yourself a second. You can take a few minutes to collect. Reset. <sighs> and breathe. 
It's a good job you're not live streaming. Exactly. Uh, well, I mean, you know, um, I know. Yes, it, it, you, you just you made my, my brain click. So there's another podcast which I listen to and who follows us on, on Twitter called The Autistic Woman. Um, and she's a, a, an attorney in America. And, and just quite interesting. She was talking in, a, in an episode a little while ago about how actually um, being autistic helps her to do her job because looking at things from a different point of view and, and um, on those. So I just thought that was quite nice. So shout That's out to the autistic woman who, who follows us and we follow on Twitter. She's also a great podcast. And I think I've got a link in the show notes already. So um, <laughs> but I think also, I think also it kind of helps in some way. The, the, we, we go back to like the empathy thing, right? A lot of people think that, especially autistic people, struggle with empathy. We've talked about this on the, on the program before. Most people um, struggle with empathy. Most precisely. Most people, people are absolutely awful at it. Mm. And there's the, the double empathy problem of overfeeling it, fe- feeling it too much, and so you shut down. Um, I've, I think I've mentioned before the, uh, the sort of sensory overload stuff where I didn't really react much to, to certain things because there was too much going on. I was feeling everybody else's emotions. It was just really difficult to, to manage. But something I was talking about um, in a work presentation earlier on today was the way in which certainly I, with my various and weird neurotypes, go about empathy. If somebody's having a bad time and they are telling me a story about why they're having a bad time, I will probably connect with them if I've had a similar thing, because that's the whole empathy thing, right? It's about being able to feel other people's pain. I I will sometimes feel that by, oh, I have a very similar story. I will share that with you. And it's not because I'm trying to make their moments about me. It's because I'm trying to show them they are not alone and I do understand where they're coming from. I might not understand the very specific thing they're going through, but I've been on the same train. I I understand what it's like to go over those points. I know very... Very, very autistic metaphor there using a train. But, you know, we've all hit that same bump in the road and we've all felt it slightly differently. But some people really struggle with realising that's what you're doing. Yeah, I've I've learned to really have to really manage because I want I've got the urge to do that. And I like really try to manage like, where do I jump in with this? Or don't do it too soon. (laughs) You know, give them them a certain I think they need more time <laughs> but this will be really useful if they trust me <laughs> yeah so I, I have a thing that will really help them and will bypass you know hours worth of grief if they just listen to yeah. the thing because I experienced it and I can help them because it's it, it's a general drive to want to help people so they don't have to go through the same trauma and pain as we've been through but I think for me hmm. there's there's that sort of social thing right is a, a lot of neurodivergent people struggle with friendships for me i i know i had very few friends until i met um like sam and joey and a couple of the, the that that group who helped me to unlearn an awful lot of trauma driven ways of just pushing people away and not making friends because i was terrified of showing people who i was as a person um so thank you sam but I'm not doing anything well Maybe that's what maybe that's what it is. You just sat there and listened to me rabbit on about stuff. Um, maybe showing like letting someone be and showing them say, that it's safe to be themselves. You know that doesn't feel mm. like anything, but that mm. is so important. I think that's also what's important about like neurodivergent friendships. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways that has helped me to build some of my strongest relationships. You know, my 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 best friend is also ADHD and autistic. And we just connect 
so well because we understand each other. And that sort of the, the branching conversations that a lot of ADHD people have, where you start off and then you branch off somewhere else and then you go somewhere else and you go somewhere else and it bounces all over the place. You can follow that. It's, it's fine. It's not exhausting. It's just nice and easy because my brain's doing exactly the same thing. So it just synergizes. And I struggle with that with people who I don't know very well or are just, you know, typical. So I think it, it, in some ways it can help us all of these neurodivergences because of the way they change the way in which you process in your brain uh, you know um that they, they all have an impact on language processing uh, they have an adhd and, and autism especially but there's some research that suggests dyslexia as well have a impact on parts of your brain that process mood that process emotion that that process even your um well, i mean obviously adhd processes dopamine and so forth as well um and so when you make a connection with another person and they reciprocate those feelings, you can build such a strong bond. And I think the other positive is that I have a couple of friends who I'm, I would say are really, really good friends. I might not speak to them for weeks because, you know, life and communication and stuff. But then when we do chat, it's like there hasn't no time has passed at all. We just slip straight back into that conversation. And we'll also understand if the other person doesn't reply for five days because they look at the message and go, oh, I'll do that in a minute. And then they forget. And then they get embarrassed and go, I can't reply now because it's too late. And ah. So I think that's a really good thing to celebrate about neurodiversity is being more accepting as well of other people's foibles. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being nice. Um, I agree. I think, think that like, as I've, I mean, with with like one of my friends in particular, another um, woman who's autistic, and we've kind of both realised we're autistic at the same time, <laughs> and like just the way that our like we've always been close, and like we've always been. I think probably looking back on it, because we're both autistic, we've 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 had this like way of communicating with each other, like that's very direct. That like other people maybe haven't always understood yeah or have like perceived as we were being rude to each other or we weren't nice to each other but actually we're just like cutting down to the essentials and like that's our kind of communication mm. style like you know just it's a bit there's a bit less tone involved sometimes you can get things done so much quicker because you're not beating around the bush you just say this is what the thing is let's do it <laughs> yes yes does this work yes or no yes brilliant let's go <laughs> <laughs> you know and I, I and I love that but that doesn't work with everybody and it's fine but like even you know we've was the what was the point the point was about like accepting other people's foibles again wasn't it like yeah that's how come I think I've managed to also like didn't have a lot of friends growing up or I had them and then I didn't hold on to them so I think becoming more accepting having sort of neurodiverse friendships has like been a huge eye-opener um and that's probably only really happened like as i've kind of grown up like mm. as an adult yeah actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean sorry sam hmm? oh sorry i thought you started to say something there oh nope? no, okay. no no i'm just playing <laughs> with my claw hello this is simon in post the fact that you're hearing me probably tells you we had a minor disturbance in the recording you haven't missed much uh, between that last bit you just heard from Sam and the next bit you will hear, there was maybe 30 seconds or so. To fill you in, Sam is making a very colourful card dragon for a party later on in the week and was showing it off to us via video. This led on to quite an interesting conversation, so I've actually left it into the recording. 
we rejoin the podcast now. It's incredible. Did you have a pattern for that or did you yeah. just figure it's it just, out? No, God, no. It's just a file I downloaded. Simon yeah. said I'm good at arts and crafts. I'm good at following instructions. Which well, as an ADHD yeah. person, I'm not. Bit of both. Anything, anything with instructions I can follow very well um, and complete. But I couldn't have... I'd struggle with designing something like this because I'd, I'd struggle with the shapes. Yeah, that's and... really hard to figure that out. Then we're making, out. You, we're making you an honorary autistic. You're good at following instructions to the letter, but you can't imagine new things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite accurate. I think, um, I think the, um, the autistic and ADHD bits of my brain just fight each other over how to do oh, something sometimes. Constantly. So sometimes I see, I see instructions... Or actually, let's start with like thinking about the thing I want to do. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I'm going to do it perfectly. I'm going to I'm going to research. How to da, 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 da. And then I get there and then I'm like, oh, I don't have time to read the instructions. I just want to do it. And then I don't read the instructions. And then I'm like, oh, I really should have read the instructions. Now I'm really upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite good at like uh, not... I don't necessarily need instructions to complete something or work out how something works. I tend to just throw them away and then crack on. Unless like it's Lego building, and then I've like, got to follow it to the letter. Yeah. Do you like building like flat pack furniture? Oh yeah, whiz. Absolute whiz. Yeah, love it. I can read those instructions, like the IKEA instructions. Yeah. Well, I've got a lot of time for those because I don't have any part of me that thinks, oh, I could do this by myself. I don't need the instructions. But when I'm cooking, I tend to like bored with the recipe and just like wing it. Ah, that's interesting. I, I, I think that's because I've really... got more confidence with cooking. Yeah. I, I often go off of recipes. I'll go, oh, I think I'll just change it this, this little way here because mm. I quite like the experiment thing. But. See, I have to, if it's a recipe that I'm following, at least the first time I ever make it, I have to follow it to the letter. Um, and it takes me probably twice as long as it should do because I'm forever looking back and referring and going, have I done that bit? Have I done this bit? Have I done this bit? And like, triple quadruple checking what i've done and then inevitably i'll forget to add like a herb of some description at some point and fail i'll feel like i failed completely oh i know it's brains it's aren't really, they a wonderful thing it's really helpful if i mean not 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 that we always have access to like another person to help us but like if you've got a buddy if you've got someone over your partner your friend your housemate who's just happy to sit on the sofa and read the the recipe to you oh yeah that's, that'd be great. that's perfection that is that is yeah. exactly you just put a beer in their hand you give them the instructions and you say tell me what to do and that oh, is my you are full of good ideas that is my that is my ideal situation i don't know if it works yeah. for me, but it works for me because my processing from text to my brain is so slow yeah and if I hear it, I can do it instantly. If I read it, I'm like, I read it, and then I think, and then I'm like, oh, what, what was it again? And then I read it. Does that word mean that? Yeah, yeah. It just takes too long. Yeah. So I've even tried breaking down recipes into, like, bullet points, step by step, like, to the point that you, like, pick up salt, put salt here. <laughs> um, and it's still slow, because I lose where I am in that list as well. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I, I think that's something that we can celebrate then as well is is 
neurodivergent people finding different ways of doing things. That also means that they're more social and work well with others because we're helping each other with like instructions and things. Oh yeah, celebrate! Do we raise a toast? Uh, oh no, we don't have any gene. Not got a drink. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I'll tell you what. Um, there are some other. I. I uh, for the benefit of, of the recording, I'm going to stick a whole bunch of really interesting articles and a couple of links to other podcasts in the show notes, which are well worth listening to about the history of neurodiversity and, and actually why it's quite a good thing. But I think there are some real benefits to having neurodiverse people within your society, within your friendship group, within your company. Um, uh, there is a bit of a trope, but it's a trope for a reason. Um, we have a bit of an ability to spot patterns and trends and see when things are not quite right. Don't ask me to tell when you've had a haircut, but I will know something is different. Mm -hmm. And I think also we have a pretty good chance of changing the world, whether or not you agree with these people or not. But I mean, Winston Churchill, Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs, Thomas Edison, Agatha Christie, um, Rosalind Franklin. um, I I, I named her earlier on, Grace Hopper. all had some form of social or physical condition which at least bordered on, if not was, a full neurodivergence and helps to change the world. You know, because we see things in a particular way, I like to think we're driven by fairness and, and a desire to make things just a bit better. Well, there were some of the, some of you that were really broken. I mean, I am very broken. This is this is entirely true. But not, not all. I'm sure. Well, it's just this. It's... Not everybody's good. I don't know. I'm rambling. Delete. Delete. There are bad people. There are very bad people. And there are there are people who will use their neurodiversity as an excuse to be a bad person. No, it's not because you're autistic. You're just a nasty person. Yeah, exactly. But um, most people are generally good. I, I would like to think that most people deep down are have a fundamental well of wanting to be good. Unless they're psychopaths, of course. Um, yeah. It's just for some of them, it's buried under deep, deep layers of trauma and capitalism so getting to it is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world mm. no but anyway, look we've been talking for quite a while for a bonus episode i think it's nice certainly that we are starting to look at having a celebration of neurodiversity uh, this this week has been running for at least five years now in the united kingdom and i, I hope it spreads uh, across the world where we can celebrate our friends our colleagues our family who have one of these conditions because of the way it lets them see the world in a different in a different way and potentially help us to change it for the better. Any final thoughts from either of you two? I didn't even know there was Neurodiversity Celebration Day, so I'm quite happy. And I tend to be a bit like, tend to actually roll my eyes cynically at all the days we have that celebrate everything because every there's day for like cheese on toast now, but like. This has actually, you know, cheered me up and made me feel a lot more like positive about um, being neurodivergent today. Oh, I think with these things as well, it's quite important to make people aware because um, uh, it's it's difficult though. Because again, it's sort of it's a bit like having allies that are sort of neurotypical. I think is something that people should try and promote. So I think maybe maybe people that are uh, or have friends that are neurodivergent can sort of help show that support some in some way and i think that's part of what the what what was it again the 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 period the week is it is it the week or the day 
It's, a, it's, a, it's this week. It's a neurodivergent it's, celebration week. Yeah, so it's neuro, it, it would be good if neurotypical people could help sort of raise awareness of Oh, that. allies would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. allies. Because <clears throat> we have that for... It's quite a common thing for the LGBT community, so it would be good to have it for the uh, neurodiverse. Yeah. Right? Um, have I said the right words? Mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> and... Um, just and if like people wonder how to do that then sometimes just like giving people a bit more time um yeah with processing things or um being a bit less judgmental about people's reactions or meltdowns or like you know, getting overwhelmed about things is like a really good place to start and sometimes asking them for what they need um another thing yeah absolutely that that sort of clear communication is really important mm. you know avoiding sarcasm or euphemisms or implied <laughs> messages um please <laughs> or, just or raising awareness of the the little things we say in society like yes oh you're oh, so ocd Oh God, I hate oh, that yeah, one so I much. Oh yeah, I hate that. Why yeah. do people? I, I can't believe people. Say when somebody's that just a days. bit neat, neater than the average person, and somebody might say, "Oh, you're so OCD," but it's it's it can be very offensive to somebody that is actually diagnosed with that condition because mm. it is quite debilitating, and it goes for it goes for many many other conditions and issues going on. I I know that it's just you're, that's, you're... that's one that is relevant. Mm. You're absolutely right. I've got. Prolific. I've got a friend who has OCD and I'm going to see if I can get him to come on the podcast sometime to tell us about mm-hmm. that because it's it's not an, it's not one I actually know that much about. Uh, I understand the, the neurology no. of it, but I don't understand how it is to live with it. I think that could no. be a really interesting conversation. Yeah, well, it's less like any of these things, isn't it? It's, it's like it's a spectrum. So there are some people that sort of might have quite mild symptoms, but then there's some people that have very severe symptoms or symptoms might might be the wrong word but i think yes, it's it might be quite mild or severe i think it's that if your compulsions take up over one hour of your day then it can be clinically diagnosed as ocd yeah wow that's otherwise that's you've cool. just got compulsions that, yeah that exactly like, I yeah, it's, it's, using the... it's not debilitating to, to that extent you know yeah i think it's using the whole term as one because you could say Oh, that's a bit compulsive to to somebody, and that doesn't then create any sort of offence in my mind about the condition itself. But it's when you're you not, use you're the label, the whole things, label, yeah. isn't it? It's, and, and like I said, it goes for uh, other things as well, not just OCD. I think it's just to my mind that's probably the most common one I hear, um, without a shadow of an out. Probably because I like things a certain way. <laughs> Do you? Do you now? I'd never noticed. Yeah, messy. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, but uh, going back to it, I think you're absolutely right. G- giving people a little bit more time to process stuff is, is just a great thing you can do, especially for, for friends and family, um, if, if they need that moment to just think about it and process it and turn it around in their minds. Um, but does that mean uh, let people treat you badly or coldly? No, absolutely not, no. It's not an excuse for anything harm- genuinely harmful, but, you know, sometimes giving people a benefit of the doubt and a bit of extra time is good. Mm. Offer people support and uh, if you see that they might be struggling or, you know, ask if somebody needs to talk and accept if they say no, because (laughs) that's a valid response as well. Sure is. And and for me, I think just give people advance notice if plans are changing and a reason why. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I mean, 
I'm relatively good at change, but it it, it ooh, sometimes it's just. But we had this thing planned for ages, and then you just yeah. But I think above all else, what we can ask of ourselves, of everyone around us, is just be kind, be patient. Smile. I don't have anything else to say. Smile, smile. Yes, you've got a lovely smile. Smile, everybody, smile. Unless you don't want to. Unless you don't want to. Just do what you want. As long as you're yeah. not hurting other people, just do what yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Especially... that's very important. Please do not hurt other people. Yes. <laughs> Unless they want to, and it's part of an intimate oh loving relationship. <laughs> but we'll talk about BDSM episode. in an After Dark episode. Please. <laughs> what is the safe word? The, the end of this is just going to be a series of rambling contradictions. Do this. But only if it doesn't hurt other people, or, or maybe that's okay as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't that life, though? <laughs> yes. That is be right. kind, be patient, be loving. Yeah. There you go. Um, thank you to both of my wonderful guests for joining me again today on this bonus episode. Uh, and we hope you have a fantastic week and celebrate being neurodivergent or being queer or just being a typical person who, for some reason, is listening to this podcast. I'm not sure why you would, but thank you if you are. And thank you, like I say, to both of my guests. And we'll speak to you again uh, next week. So until then, have a lovely week and we'll catch you soon. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.